Amen. Let's pray. Father, it's so wonderful to know that we can come to you knowing that you hold your arms open wide to us, that forgiveness has been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. More than anything today, we long to bring a smile to your face, to worship you for who you are. We love you. And Father, we ask that you would give us each your spirit now as we turn to your word, that you would open it to us to teach us and guide us corporately and individually. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Current. I'm David. Uh, we're continuing today our series, We're Still the Church, working our way, at least at the high level, through the book of Acts, reminding ourselves of our mission, God's mission for his church. What's our mission? Well, Jesus said in the first chapter, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Or in Matthew's account, Jesus said, go and make disciples. So absolutely central to our mission as a church is to tell people about Jesus, help people come to know him, put their faith in him. That's a central part of our mission, a mission that hasn't gone away just because we're in the midst of shelter in place. But what does this look like? As we've been going through the book of Acts, at least in the first few chapters, we've seen that there's been a few big events followed by big crowds showing up to see what's going on, followed by Peter giving big sermons and people putting their faith in Jesus. Uh, big events followed by big sermons. And that's one of the ways that thousands of people, at least initially, were putting their faith in Jesus. But Luke, the writer of Acts, lets us know throughout, uh, along the way, that the main way people were coming to put their faith in Jesus was through everyday Christians, having everyday interactions with others. For instance, in Acts uh, chapter 8, the, the beginning part of it, he says that the, the Christians uh, were scattered and preached the word wherever they went. Unfortunately, that translation is a bit misleading, it seems to me, because in the original language, it's not saying so much that Christians were out, you know, preaching sermons so that people would come to know Jesus. No, it's, it, what it's saying here is they were organically and naturally sharing about faith in Jesus. And that's how the church really started to grow. Uh, but what did that look like? And what can that look like today for us? Uh, we're going to see a case study today in Philip reaching out to the Ethiopian eunuch in chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verses 28 through 40. And as you're turning there, or if you don't have uh, you know, a Bible in front of you, that's okay. The words will be on your screen. Um, as, as we move into this, I do want to share a, at least a couple high-level thoughts that are really remarkable about this text, especially if you've grown up in the church. It's easy to read a text like this. Maybe you, you're familiar with it and think, okay, yeah, I know the story. But it's a remarkable text for at least two reasons. First, consider Philip. Philip was not one of the main leaders in the early church. He was not one of the apostles. In fact, in chapter 6 of Acts, he was recruited to, uh, quote, wait tables or to take care of tangible needs, particularly with widows, no doubt with the elderly as well, with the poor. And yet Philip is here, somebody who interacts with somebody and tells them about Jesus, an ordinary, unschooled person. And of course, the invitation is here for us, if we are followers of Jesus, to say you don't have to be a biblical scholar. You don't have to have gone to seminary or know the Bible inside and out. No, there's an invitation for all of us to 
be a part of the mission that God calls us in to be, to be like Philip. The other thing that's really remarkable to me, it seems, uh, from, from this text is to consider the Ethiopian eunuch whom we'll meet here. I mean, first consider that he was Ethiopian. Uh, he was a well-to-do uh, representative for the queen in Kandake, I, th I think is how you pronounce that. Uh, just, you know, representative of the queen, so he was well off, uh, but he was, in, without, without a doubt, a black African, which is interesting to consider because if we are wrestling through racial issues today, 2,000 years later, I mean, just think about what that meant back then. And yet Philip and he are having an interaction. And yet even more importantly, God has it in his text very prominently say, I love all people. I care about all people. I want all people to come to know me, put their faith in me. And then consider the fact that he was a eunuch he was a eunuch. He had uh, been castrated. Uh, that was no small thing. I mean, everybody would have known it back then. And that would have been a hard struggle for him in many, many respects. Again, he was a well-to-do guy. I mean, he's probably uh, wealthy and influential. And yet he probably had this internal struggle or suffering that he was always experiencing. I mean, just imagine this guy traveling along the roads and you know, a father and son passing him along the way, going in the other direction, and the, and the little son asking his dad, "Hey, daddy, dad, who's that?" And and his daddy saying, "Oh, oh, that's that's a that's a that's a eunuch representing the the, the queen." Daddy, what's what's a eunuch? What what's a eunuch? Oh, uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you when you're older. And could you just imagine what this guy must have lived with? Some some of the suffering and internal conflict that he no doubt had experienced for for many many years. And yet we see him here reading from the prophet Isaiah, which we'll see. He's actually reading from, from chapter 53 in the text we'll be reading. But you know what also is in Isaiah in chapter 56? So very close to the text that you'll, we'll see him reading as we get to our scripture. It says this. This is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who, keeps, who keep my Sabbaths who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temples and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. That's incredible. I mean, you can only imagine what those words must have meant to this man at that time. And the point here is unmistakable. God was saying to him, God is saying to you and to me that he loves you dearly. And not just in some abstract way or in some general love type way, but, but you uniquely as the person you are, woman or man, and that he has a special place in his heart for, for those who have experienced great heartache. God loves you, cares for you, and pursues you which we'll see here in this text. So this text is quite remarkable when you consider Philip, when you consider the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, so let's, let's read it here and then we'll draw some, some thoughts for us today. This is Acts chapter eight, starting in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official, in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. 
The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. Again, this is from Isaiah 53. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. All right, a few observations for how we too can partner with God in his mission as we look to Philip as our example. Uh, First observation, I love the way Philip was sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. Uh, This whole story, this whole interaction between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch was set up by the Holy Spirit. Look again at verse 26. It says, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road. And then in verse 29, the the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, it would be pretty cool if the Holy Spirit led each of us all the time by sending an angel to say, go do this and this. And you know what? Sometimes God does move in more of a miraculous nature, saying, hey, I want you to do this or that. And Cindy and I have experienced things, at least in that vein of things, although we can count on one hand how many times that, that's happened. But what we have experienced many times, and what I've, I've heard countless examples of, is the Holy Spirit leading through a gentle nudging or prompting. Holy Spirit just saying, hey, I want you to go over here and do do this. And that's what I believe is happening in verse 29. It says, the Spirit told Philip. I imagine that 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 those weren't audible words that Philip was hearing, but just a gentle nudging and prompting of the Spirit. One of the most amazing promises of the Scriptures, and we see this going back to Acts chapters 1 and 2, is that when we put our faith in Jesus, God gives us his Holy Spirit for, for a number of reasons. I mean, he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us understand his word. He gives us the Holy Spirit to help us become increasingly like Jesus. And he gives us his Holy Spirit to direct, to direct us into God's will and his mission. But often, it seems to me, we Christians aren't paying attention to the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. Whether that's because we're too busy or whether it's because we're just not paying attention or we've never done that before so we're not thinking about it or whether it's because we're fearful that maybe God will say something and what he does say we don't want to do. I can't convince you, of course, to pay attention to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your life, but hopefully I can encourage you, encourage myself and inspire us with this thought. I've talked to countless Christians at this point of being a pastor for many years who have all told me something to the effect of, I sensed God's moving in my life, His, the, the Holy Spirit prompting me to do this or that, and I was scared, I, I, I knew it was gonna test my faith, I wasn't sure how it was, gonna, uh, it was gonna pan out, but I went for it anyways, and, and I'll never hear at that point, I totally regretted it. Like I just shouldn't have done, I never hear that. But what I've heard many times is, and it was incredible. And I got to see God move. In fact, 
some of the most amazing times in life, the most joy-filled times in life are when we actually follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit and get to see God move. They're incredible. They'll make you want to follow him again and again. Uh, The next observation follows from that. I love the way Philip obeyed the Holy Spirit's prompting. I mean, certainly the, whole, the, the, the Ethiopian eunuch was grateful at the end of this that, the, that Philip stepped out and followed the Holy Spirit's prompting. But here's a, here's a question as we think about this uh, practically. What if tomorrow, tomorrow morning, and we don't have to wait till tomorrow morning, but what if tomorrow morning each one of us at Current woke up with this prayer, God, help me see how your Holy Spirit is moving around me today. Help me follow how your Holy Spirit is moving. And if you do something, uh, allow me, like, give me the, the courage to partner with you in that way. Could you imagine if we each prayed that tomorrow? Uh, what could happen? The early church just blew up because Christians, everyday Christians, said yes to the Holy Spirit's leading in their lives. Uh, I love the way Philip took initiative to ask if he could be a help Look again at verse 30. It says, Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? He asked. I love that. Philip didn't just come up immediately with his agenda. I've got something to tell you. He asked if he could be a help. One of the things I just absolutely love about Jesus is that he gave us wonderful teachings, wonderful sermons and messages. I mean, they're they're just the best. But his teachings never came in a vacuum. But they always came coupled with him just serving people, meeting tangible needs. In fact, at one point, he even said the Son of Man, referring to himself, didn't come to be served, but to serve. Meaning even his teachings were an act of service. And I think that's our call as as Christians. I mean, so many people think that Christians have an agenda to just proselytize them or just tell them what they need to think. We have an agenda to love, care, and serve, to lay down our life like Jesus laid down his life. And sure, we have you know, the gospel, the good news that we want to share, but that has to come also with serving, loving, meeting needs, and asking if we can be a help. One of our elders uh, at a recent leaders huddle made the observation that people are always going to remember how we treat them during COVID-19. How can you treat others in the midst of this pandemic? How can you be there for them? The next observation flows from that one in in that I love the way Philip had the humility to listen. I love Philip's humility to listen. Again, he didn't just start with his agenda, but but he, he listened to what this Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch was processing. I mean, he asked, can I, can I help? Do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch just started laying out, well, this is what I'm thinking. This is what, I'm, and Philip listened. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a famous pastor and martyr during Nazi Germany, uh, once wrote that the most important ministry of a Christian is to listen. And he said, sadly, it's also the most neglected of most Christians. The ministry of listening. That is the the tangible act of love and service of lending an ear. Listening to someone process what they're going through to make a connection. Can you listen to others right now? Can you be there for them? Can you take the initiative to engage and just let them process? I have a buddy in the Boston area 
which is to say an area that is very similar spiritually to the Bay Area in terms of its receptivity towards uh, Christianity. And I, I like to think of this buddy as an evangelist because wherever he goes, people are just putting their faith in Jesus. And it's not because this guy is Mr. Know-it-all and is just off, you know, giving little sermonettes every, every time he's hanging out with people. Really, I asked him about it at one point. He said, it's not rocket science. He said, I'm just, I'm just trying to be people's friends. Like, I'm just, I just want to be there and love and care for and be people, be people's friends because I've discovered, he said, that everybody's asking their big life questions. It's not just the Christians who are asking big life questions. Everybody's asking big life questions. And he said, I just want to be a friend there to help people process their questions. And with the hope of maybe getting the chance to share with them the love God has for them through Jesus. I love how Philip here took the initiative to ask if he could be a help. I love his humility to listen. People need connections right now. I mean, if anything, right now during shelter in place, more so now than ever before. Can you be there for them? Can you ask God through his Holy Spirit to help you, to, to give you a name of a person that you can follow up with and just be there for them, help them process? After Philip asked if the Ethiopian eunuch understood the scripture of Isaiah that he was reading. Uh, he replied, the Ethiopian eunuch replied, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him, which is no wonder. I mean, Philip was caring for him, so this guy wanted Philip to be up there with him. This is the passage of scripture the, the eunuch was reading, it goes on to say. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. I love the way Philip was willing to start at the other person's starting point. Again, he didn't just come up there with his agenda and say, I'm just going to share this with you. But he started with where this man was at. And where was this man at? He was reading the prophet of Isaiah, chapter 53. And let me just ask you, based on these words, could you, if, if you identify as Christian, help somebody from that starting point walk through the gospel, understand God's love for them through Jesus? If, if not, that's okay, but I encourage you to read all of chapter 53 of Isaiah later. It's, it's, just a, it's just a straight gospel presentation written hundreds of years before Christ. I imagine that conversation went something like this. Philip said something to the effect of, yeah, it's Jesus who was led like a lamb to be slaughtered for our sin. And he was deprived of justice. In fact, the gospel is he took our judgment upon himself that we could be we could be forgiven of our sins and brought into forever life and forever relationship with God. And you can receive that too, right now. And the Ethiopian eunuch did. But higher level, Philip started with his starting point. Uh, not Philip's, but he looked to this man's starting point and worked with him from there. We need to be there to help people from their starting point. Now, what are people's starting points? I mean, okay, we have... Uh, a number of answers for every number of people that we can think of. But there are some typical places that, that people start at. For instance, the main reasons that people are rejecting 
Christianity are for reasons of Christians and not because of Christ. Uh, if you've been to one of our welcome lunches, you know this. The top three reasons people want nothing to do with the church are because of hypocrisy, self-righteousness, and judgmentalism. Now, those are three reasons for Christians, not Jesus. And you know, hypocrisy, Jesus got really amped up and at it with the people who were being hypocritical, the religious leaders who were leading people astray. And then with judgmentalism, Jesus came not only teaching, do not judge, but the gospel is he took our judgment for us, meaning Christians should be the, 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 the least likely to be hypocrite and judgmental. It, but if and when we are, because we're broken and we need Jesus too, it means that we need to be the first to own it. And actually, that's part of the reason why we started Current. One of our big hearts for this church is to get out of the way and point to Jesus. Um, I've, I've actually had a number of conversations just these last two weeks with people who have said to me that they have real issue with the church and the Christian teachings, therefore, because they, had, uh, they run in, ran into hardship with organized religion in the past. Either they personally or a loved one really experienced pain from organized religion. And when people share that with me, typically my response is, yeah, I get that. I've, I've experienced that too. And um, to which I'll usually get a look of surprise, like, wait, you're, you're a pastor at a church. Like, wait, why are you, that, why, how's that work? And I'll share, yeah, I grew up, I'm not only a pastor right now, I actually grew up as a pastor's kid and I experienced firsthand some real pain that the church caused on my family. But the reason why I'm a pastor today is because salvation is not in Christians or the church. Salvation is in Christ who's over the church and whom the church needs desperately. Christians desperately need Jesus. I desperately need Jesus. And that's the point. That's why Jesus came, to be a, a, like a sheep sent to the slaughter and a, a person de deprived of justice. That's the gospel. Salvation is not in anything but Jesus. And it's amazing, friends, that when I've had the opportunity to share that, oftentimes people will be like, whoa, that's what it's all about. To which I get to say, yes. And people have put their faith in Jesus. We need to start with their starting point, which leads us to the last thought and maybe the best of all. I love the way Philip majored on the person and work of Jesus. P Philip majored on Jesus. People need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We don't need good morality, ultimately. We don't need, you know, better politics, ultimately. We don't need good works, ultimately. Ultimately, at the soul level, we need Jesus and what he's done for us. And when we receive him, everything else begins to work itself out. We start to live the life that he calls us to, and we offer the love that he has made us for. Philip majored on the person of Jesus. Christian friends, we need to major on the person of Jesus. Share Jesus. Offer Jesus. That's the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Friend, if that's you today, you've never received what Jesus has done for you, that's what it is, an offer of free grace to be received. Nothing can, it's nothing that can be earned, but only received as a gift. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, whatever your past, God knows you, sees you, loves you deeply. Not in some 
abstract or general way, but specifically cares for you, sent his son to die for you. And you can receive that now. Even by praying, God, I believe I receive what Jesus did on the cross for me. And I surrender my life to you. And for all who have received him, this is the invitation to join him in his work, like his working through Philip in this story. And this starts with our being open to the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives, his promptings, and then acting, obeying, following uh, courageously. Uh, much of it is looking to serve and to meet needs. It, 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 it means having the humility to listen and lend an ear. And as we have the opportunity, point to Jesus. Start where people are at, but majoring on Jesus. This is this was and is God's revolutionary plan to use everyday Christians through everyday interactions, through the power of his Holy Spirit, bringing people to know him. He uses big sermons. He uses big events. He uses big outreaches. But really, what he wants to do is through each of us and through you, have us join with him through the power of his Holy Spirit to help people come to know him. How might you partner with him in all of this this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for sending your son to die for us, that when we receive what he did for us on the cross, we will have life forever in his name, a restored relationship with you. And if there's ever, if there's any person logged in today who's not yet received you, I pray that now would be the moment that they would sense your uh, love and care, how you pursue them, and receive you even now. And then, Father, for all of us who have received you, Lord, would you enable us to, to partner with you in, your holy, in, in the work of your Holy Spirit. Lord, would you help us be sensitive to his moving in our lives, his promptings. And would you help us have the courage to, to, to follow and obey, looking to serve, listen, and point people to Jesus. We love you and we pray all this in his name. Amen.